Welcome to Her Digital Brand, where we interview female founders and leaders of some of the best brands on the internet. My name is Kyler Nixon, and I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Brad Bishop, in just a minute. Today on the show, we interview Christiana Scott, the founder of Real Food Littles. We're going to unpack her journey from private chef to digital brand owner, and we're going to cover all the steps in between. I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's jump in. Christiana, we are so excited that you joined us on the show today. Thanks for making some time between like running around with your your boys and uh, and joining us today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. I want to just like jump right into it. So at the beginning of the episode, we Brad and I gave a little context to who you are and Real Food Littles and a little bit of your backstory. So I want to just like dive right into it. Like, can you just give us a little bit of like your background and how you kind of went from being a chef to like now having a digital brand, helping parents with baby led weaning? Like, how did you get from that point to, to where you're at now? Yeah, well, it's, it really, the, the idea for it started when I was a personal chef. So I would um, work with families and I would cook them all their meals for the week. And um, people would generally call me because getting dinner on the table had become really unmanageable. And like the typical family would be um, mom's trying to eat healthy, picky eater kids that will only eat like mac and cheese. And then husband wants something else. And then there's a kid with like a peanut allergy and like a kid that decides they want to be a vegetarian. And um, it just became really, really unmanageable for um, the parents to get dinner on the table. And honestly, it's usually the mom, even in uh, dual working couples, um, it falls on mom's shoulders. And um, I just really noticed this trend. And I had this, this idea, well, how does this get so unmanageable? And how does picky eating become this like pervasive problem? Um, and it was just really noteworthy to sort of look at families of how they started solids with their babies of like, if you trace this back, like, how do you go from a six-year-old that only eats mac and cheese from a baby that's kind of like willing to eat anything. And I just really noticed this huge difference in like the families that feed, fed their babies, like the food that I was cooking for them. And they just like shared a family dinner together those families had kids that were really adventurous eaters and, you know, they kind of navigated the toddler years really well and just enjoyed having dinner as a family. And then the families where um, they were less intentional about that or really fearful of finger foods um, or just sort of feeding really bland, like separate baby food type stuff. Those were the families that tended to have more picky eating problems, more like battles at the dinner table. And so I just really noticed this trend starting, um, between how families of like tracing it back to like when babies first start eating, you know, that first introduction as being like really critical. How did you end up like, I, I, this is something I've always wondered when you have like, you know, a successful kind of like a physical business, right. When you're like a personal chef and, you know, like yeah. you, you're, you're successful there. Like I've always wondered what makes brands go from kind of that to decide, no, like more people need this information. So like, how did that, maybe that kind of idea of like, like, why didn't you just inform the families you were working with, Hey, here's how you do this. And why, instead of doing that, why didn't like, why did you decide to, you know, launch this into a course and and a platform that reaches more people? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think what it was is um, I found myself 
you know, kind of like teaching the same thing to each of these families. And it was like the same, um, you know, advice that was helpful for them. Um, and as a personal chef, one of the disadvantages of that business model is you're so limited in the number of families you can work with because it's, you're bound by your time. So I would have a different family that I cooked for each weekday. So my max, if I had weekly clients, my max was five families. That's all I could handle, you know, kind of Monday through Friday. So it was really like limited in the impact that I could have. Um, And then also kind of on a personal business level, it always weighed on me. Like if I tore my ACL skiing, like I'm not going to be able to like be in people's homes and cooking. And, you know, there's just like a limit to to that model. Um, So I'd always had my eye on like, I would love to do something that could reach more people. Cause there were just so many people are like, I can't afford a personal chef, but I like, I need the help. Um, so I love the idea of like a digital course or some sort of um, online offering where I could give this information to people who weren't local to me and at a much, much greater scale. And then I think, um, when I found out we were pregnant with twins, which like doubles the cost of your childcare, um, on top of COVID, like all of it, like I gave birth to them twins and then COVID hit and it was just sort right. of like, well, maybe this is the push I need to like, to do this. Yeah, um, for sure. so that was kind of like, this is, this is the time to make this shift. I'm curious about the progression because a lot of times what we see from clients is, to, I think Kyler kind of spoke to this. You had this really successful job as a personal chef. So we see people that they go from one to one to one to many. And so I'm mm-hmm. curious about that progression. What made you settle on the idea of a course versus like a Facebook group or group coaching or things like that? What, what was that progression from having your own business to going to the direct to, to the course? Was there some, was there something in between there, like a Facebook group or something? Not a Facebook group, really. I would say the transition was, um, I just started an Instagram account that really just started as like me when I started solids with my own twins of like documenting what does a chef and like nutrition therapist like feed her kids, you know? And so it kind of just started off as like pictures of my kids eating and like the plates that I would serve, like for people to get ideas. And it just, you know, it grew and people started asking me more and more questions. And so I started offering, um, like zoom one-on-one sessions as opposed to like one-on-one in person in our community. So that was sort of like the transition of enough people asking me for my Instagram account of like for advice. And then again, it just was so noteworthy that people would ask me the same questions over and over and over again. It was always, it was the same pain points. It was the same stressors, um, the same challenges, Um, so I just took all of that info from those one-on-one sessions. And then also, you know, people just like writing in and direct messaging me questions. And that's what ultimately like really informed a lot of the content in the course. Uh, I'm curious too, one of the most popular questions we get and an area almost everybody struggles with is naming the course or the business. How did you come up with the name of Real Food Littles? (laughs) I mean, I'll be dead honest with you. It is so hard to find something that is not taken. So hard. Um, So I started off with a list of about 50 maybe names that I liked um, for, you know, for Real Food Littles for the business. Um, And it really was just down. It was important to me that the website domain be available 
and like for it to be able to have the same Instagram handle, like my type A just like felt like those had to be cohesive. (laughs) So I wanted something where both of those were available. And, um, you know, I felt that I liked the aspect of having real food in there because I just felt like it's really core to sort of who, who I am and how I cook. And, um, so I wanted that in there, but there's real food, everything, you know? Um, so it really was just a process kind of elimination until I got to something that I felt was like memorable and, you know, that just felt right. And then with the course name, that was also challenging because again, everything, you know, a lot is taken, but that, I just ended up with that because it kind of talks to my brand name as well. Um, and it sort of was suggestive of baby led weaning, but like the method that I teach people is not like 100% purely just that. So I just didn't want it to be like baby led weaning 101, you know, right. and be a turn off yeah. to people that maybe wanted to do like a combo approach or whatever. So, um, I liked that it was suggestive of what it is, but not like pigeonholing the course um, too much. Right. One of the, one of the things that I remember like really distinctly when we first started working together and we went through like the messaging was like, there are some like large players in this space, like in the baby led weaning space who like by all accounts and purposes are our competitors. And so I remember going through messaging and it was really important that we got the positioning right. And so like, we came into this, you know, when we work together, like with that in mind, like we don't want to just be, you know, like doing what everyone else does, like this idea of, you know, raising adventurous eaters. And we're talking about real food and all that stuff was really, really Mm -hmm. important from the very beginning. And so that kind of brings me to where, like one of the biggest reasons I wanted to have you on the show is that more than probably any other client we've worked with, I feel like you have had to carve out exactly what that looks like and exactly what that positioning and audience is over a longer period of time, balancing family and COVID and all these other things that have happened. (laughs) So I guess like, I'm, I'm curious what that process has looked like for you. Cause I feel like as someone who worked with you and then was sort of an observer for a little bit, it's been a little bit challenging, I would assume to like figure out where do I kind of fit in to the, to the market. Is that fair to say? Like, what does that process maybe kind of look like for you? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think it is with, I mean, I think this would be true of any mom business, whether you're doing something about breastfeeding or sleep or, you know, whatever your niche is per se, like there's going to be other people doing it, but something that is just, um, so important, I think is like, we all have our own voice and we all all have our own perspective and our own experience and whatnot. And to, it's just so much better to lean into what makes you unique and special is like the wrong word, but like unique, I guess, as opposed to like, nothing's achieved by just like trying to do what other people do. So I felt that, um, why I really wanted to get that messaging right is because what I felt was really missing in the market was like the implementation piece. Like, um, you know, there's all of these sort of like checkpoints and like guidelines and various stuff that you're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, it's like moms in their kitchen trying to figure out what to put on the grocery list and what to serve for dinner, you know, to not have all of this be so unmanageable. And that's what I found that was sort of like me bringing my personal experience into it of like, okay, I'm a professional chef. I have nutrition education. I have experience with families working with this and I am still overwhelmed. 
lot. Like this is overwhelming yeah. for me. So if it's overwhelming right. for me, how much, how much more overwhelming must it be for people that don't have my level of experience? And so that sort of like practical application of the fact that baby led weaning is about like cooking and eating and designing meals and that sort of stuff. Um, I really felt that that's where I could give people the most value. And so I, that's just what I've really leaned into in my course content and in my messaging and just sort of like to the best of my ability, have try and have that come through clearly. But to your point, it, it was a long time from when I sort of like started the Instagram page. Um, you know, we did the website to when the course launched, you know, so there were, right, you know, yeah. some time in there of, of making sure that the, you know, that the copy on the website and my sales page and everything is really, um, communicating the course transformation, like accurately. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. When, when you were trying to build off the whole, you know, when you started, you've got, you know, you're like, I got to build a website. I've got to do emails and lead gens and all these mm -hmm. things. How did you determine this is what I'm willing to do myself and here's what I need to hire out? Yeah, that's a great question. And like most people, I started trying to do everything myself. Um, and there's some things that, you know, there's some things that you can figure out on your, on your own. But I think for moms in particular, like if you're trying to do this while raising little ones, you just have to be realistic about the constraints on your time. It is such a time intensive phase of life, whether you're starting this as like a side hustle while working or whether you're a stay-at-home mom and like starting this. Um, so for me, this was, I did this during nap times and, you know, in the evenings and like here and there on weekends. And that was all I had the time available for. So I was trying to teach myself how to build a WordPress website and just found myself like down the WordPress rabbit hole. And I hate it. Like I hate computer stuff you know, like it was awful. And I was like, I want to be talking about baby led weaning and like food. And so I just found like 90% of my time was going to trying to like get a website up and running. And that's when, um, that's when I reached out to Kyler and I was like, and I made the decision that this is worth paying somebody that knows how to do this so that I can take that off my plate, know it's done right. Um, and focus on what I'm good at. And what is, cause it's like my creativity is what's going to push the business forward. Right. Like not right. me trying to like flail in WordPress, you know? Right. Yeah. I just want to, I, I, I want to point out though, that Kyler, when Kyler and I were discussing names for our podcast, I was, I was just, <laughs> I was literally just okay. the same exact thing. Uh, you said you did this during nap time. One of the names we talked about was nap time hustle. That, that's what you should call it. I, I mean, was thinking honestly. of you. I was thinking of you because I always remember that like, okay, I have nap time between, you know, one and two. And so we better fit in, you know, this call between then and then I'm back, you know, back on mom duty. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think yeah. you, I, I love, I love that. And one of the reasons that we wanted to do this, sh this show is because I, I want to highlight like, you know, we're specifically focusing on, on digital businesses. Right. And so I love the mm -hmm. flexibility that a digital business can provide. Like for someone like you, who's a, a single person team, you're busy, your mom, you have twins, like you have a lot going on and you've still been yeah. able to create this business that, you know, you're able to build at your own pace and have it look exactly how you want it to 
all the way through to, you know, uh, women who have brands who are massive and, you know, multi, multi-million figures, and that's what they want for their brand. And, and there's kind of this, this spectrum where anyone can kind of figure out what do I want my life to look like and create a digital brand around that. So I love that you've been able to like do this, you know, in the midst of probably, I would imagine the craziest season of your, <laughs> your life. So if no one told you, you one, yeah. you are a little crazy. And two, I love that. <laughs> Uh, you know, you're able to, to, to make it happen for sure. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. I want to, I want to try to get as practical as, as we can here. That's something we really want to try to do on the show is make sure that when listeners, uh, end the episode, they've left with some stuff that's like really tangible and really, really practical. So the question that I have, and I sent this over earlier this week, so hopefully you've had a chance to think Mm -hmm. about it. (laughs) What is uh, some advice you would give yourself when you were first starting? Um, advice I would give myself when I was first starting is, um, I once there, there's, um, a guy named Bjork Ostrom, who, um, is the, the back end of the huge, um, food blog pinch of yum. I think a lot of people have heard of that one. It's like a husband wife team. And he once talked, I heard him on a podcast, talk about this concept of like 1% infinity. And it's the concept of like, you can make incredible progress if you get just like 1% better every day. And so that was kind of like my mantra of like every day I'm going to do something to move my business forward. And it may have been tiny. It may have been, I'm going to like edit something on my website, or I'm going to write the copy for like one of my video lessons, or I'm going to like schedule the zoom call with Kyler to like talk right, about my right. website or like whatever it was. And sometimes it was just like one thing. Right. Um, but now when I look back at it of starting this, Um, it's amazing what you can accomplish with just a little bit every day. And I think I would have told myself of like, this will work, you know, like if you just like take little steps in the direction you want to go with some, you know, wrong steps around the way, of course, like it is incredible what you can accomplish just like by putting one step in front of the other. Did you, before you started down this path, you know, when you were a private chef, did you, would you say you knew very much about digital marketing? No. All I knew was that it would be amazing to make a living selling something on the internet. Like the concept to me of like passive income and the business model was very enticing, but I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about it. Because I wouldn't say that I'm super tech savvy. So to me, the tech aspect of all of this was always like, I don't know if I can figure it out. And it's amazing. There's so many more tools now to help people. So if like, I would say to anyone listening, if you feel like the tech is insurmountable, um, there are tools and like people to help, you know, like to get over that hump. Um, but yeah, before, when I was a personal chef, I really didn't know um, anything about this world. I feel like too, that's where I lose a lot of people because I'll, they want to talk about digital marketing and they don't know much. And I'm like, oh yeah, we well, can use WordPress and then, you know, you might have HubSpot for your email. We'll use some Zapier to kind of connect some things. And I start <laughs> listing all these people are like, what? Yeah. They, it, they're, they're, there's a, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. One of the things, one of the things I love about what you said, and I, I, I wanted to have, I, I keep coming back to this, but I wanted to have you specifically on the show because I think that your I think that your story of like what what you just mentioned about 1% better every day is something that I have seen in you specifically like 
over the last couple of years that we've, you know, had our relationship and working together, it's like, when we started, you were at literally zero, like you were going from, you know, having this kind of side business that you had and now trying to like do this digital thing. And then you had like, I think zero followers or maybe a couple hundred that you were converting yeah. over. And so, Not like, many. yeah, well, it was like, but, but you just kept, you just kept going. Like, it was like, okay, I'm going to keep posting good content. I'm going to keep, you know, tr- like that. I, I haven't heard you express that before, like this 1% better every day. And we get, you know, so many people who call us and they're like, oh, I want to have, you know, 2 million followers and I want to have, you know, make all this money. Well, the reality is that like, before you can have 2 million, you have to have one, right? And before you have, before you have, um, you know, a thousand, you got to have 500 or whatever, right? You got to like go in, right. in order. And so it's, what's been really right. cool is like, I feel like every couple of weeks I go to your Instagram and I just press refresh and what the account that used to be a couple hundred followers is now what you're over 20,000. Right. And so I think that has been a really cool Testament to like just staying at it, like just getting up every day and I'm going to do one thing or 1% that's going to move, move the business forward. Is is that how you've thought about it? Or has that sort of been like now in hindsight, that's what's got you to this point? No, that was how I thought about it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't go into, I mean, I knew it was unrealistic to expect myself to be, you know, there are some overnight successes, um, out there, but they are rare, you know, like, um, so I just had this belief that if I kept working at it and kept sort of being consistent about my content and the value I provide and like what my page is about. So it's like super clear when people come mm-hmm. to my page or my website, like what I'm offering. Um, so I don't like venture off into like all things about motherhood and like all the other yeah. things, like it's really specific. Um, then yeah, you know, it, it just, it just grows over time. And then it's like the, what I found is like, once the ball sort of starts rolling, you know, like once the growth starts happening, then it starts happening faster. So that's, what's been happening now. Like now, like my Instagram followers are growing more rapidly. My email list is growing more rapidly. I'm selling, you know, more courses per day, you know, like it just, the ball, it's sort of like the snowball gets going, but it's, it's really hard to keep your spirits up when it's like really, really slow in the early days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, right. So that's where I think you just have to sort of like stay true to what your vision is and like put your head down and keep going, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to throw you on the spot. Okay. I didn't send this question over. (laughs) Um, I, I've been super impressed, obviously, with how you've grown your Instagram. And I think what you've done has been very, uh, is very attainable. Like you don't have a huge team. You haven't spent a ton of money, like getting to, you know, from your Instagram to the point that it is. What's like one kind of thing that you've tried to do tangibly to grow your Instagram? Like earlier you mentioned, you know, you've tried to add value. You've kind of stuck to it. Is there anything that you've done in terms of content planning or listening to your audience or anything that's like, helped you, whether it's produce content or something that you maybe think is a little bit of like a key to that success? Um, I think it's like listening to what, like, what are the, what are the things that come up again and again? And, um, like for a while I was afraid to, like, if I did a post on something, you know, six months ago, I was like, oh, I can't do it again. But then, you know, it's like, well, 
you know, you have new people and if it's like something that's really right. important, then, you know, putting it up again in like a different sort of a post with the same sort, the same concept, um, you know, is helpful. Like some of these things people need to hear more than once. Um, and then I think just like trying, trying different things is different things work for different audiences. Um, and, you know, like I tried, I held off on reels for a long time. Like I think everybody does because when that first started on Instagram, it's like, oh my gosh, like, what is this nonsense? But is everyone um, dancing all around and <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to dance in point. Like I just didn't want to do that. But, um, I was like, well, maybe there's a way for me to make this form of content work. Um, so I started posting videos just of my boys eating with kind of like a tip underneath. And people love that because it's so useful for people to actually see babies eating and see how unbelievably inept they are in the early days and that that's normal, like to actually see what that looks like. Um, so for me, those did really, really well for me, you know, uh, and so I found a way to make to make Instagram like work for me, I guess, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, if we need to do reels to grow the page, like, I mean, I want to do reels like my way that doesn't feel ridiculous and yeah, feels right. useful to people, you know? So did, yeah. did you, did you start, I mean, when you started this, was it literally zero followers? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, it was my mom and my best friend. <laughs> I mean, it was, so maybe the first day I had three, you know, everybody's so, yeah, got their mom. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. everybody. Yeah. Uh, so how long, all right. How long have you been, been growing this? Um, I, I start, I would say ground zero was like starting the Instagram account a year and a half ago. Cause my first post was like when my boys were six months, when we started solids and they're two now. Um, so, but as Kyler mentioned, um, it's not like, you know, it took me a long time to get to the point of like, starting an Instagram account to like having a website and building a course, like all that obviously took, um, quite a long, quite a long time, but yeah. Do you map out your Instagram content or is this just kind of random, whatever you're feeling you post about, or do you have it mapped out for weeks to months ahead, ahead of time? Um, no, I mean, that sounds really efficient and great, but, um, I ba like I'll batch create content. Like I'll, sit down for a couple hours at night and like create it, but I don't have it like super planned out. I mean, I think in the future I might get there, but again, it's just sort of like, okay, I'm going to send off this post while they're napping. Like they might be waking up soon. So I guess I'm going to make it a short caption. Like it's, that's just kind of like where I'm at um, oh, it, it still it right now. Yeah. It still, it still has an element of a nap time hustle then. Oh, oh no, it's still, yeah. Oh. Every now and then I'll get a message from people and they'll be like, can I ask someone on your team this question? I was like, you're the, I'm the team. It's, this is, you're looking at the team, you know? Love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so oh, in the, in the year and a half then, since you really been doing this, if you could do anything over, what would that be? If I could do anything over, um, I think that I would have gone about the course a little bit differently because I like the actual creation of the course, because, um, I, I sort of took like a bunch of, went down a bunch of different rabbit holes for doing that. And I think now if I were to create like a second course at some point in the future, I have a much like clear idea of how I would do it. But, um, I, so yeah, I would have done that differently from the, if I were to do it over again, but 
I don't beat myself up about it because all of this is learning. Like it's my first time doing it. And I had the vision of what it should be, but like how to bring that to life, um, you know, just ended up being a little bit of a winding road, but that's, you know, that's just sort of the, sort of the process. So. It's really amazing. I was on Facebook the other day and I'm just scrolling through my feed and it's amazing how many ads I see for course creators of, Oh, here's my 10, 10 tips for how to create a good course, or mm-hmm. here's how to create a six figure course in, yeah. in, in, in an hour. And yeah. I mean, there, there's so much, I mean, how much content is out there for course creators on, yeah. on how to do it that I actually like what you said, like, honestly, you just kind of, you, you, you did it and you learned from doing that. Um, right. And I, and, I, and I love that. It sounds like you are willing to get your hands dirty and just, and just learn, which I love. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Kyler sent you some questions. I don't know if he sent you all the questions or what, but that he put in some fun questions and these are things we came up with just more practical things, advice that we can give people. So one of my favorites is I actually got this question from reading, um, tribe of mentors. I think it was by Tim Ferriss, which is a book mm-hmm. I love. And one of the questions was, what recent purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life? Oh yeah, no, it's a great question. And it's sort of an ironic one for me because I'm like truly a minimalist at heart. So I like keep my purchases minimal in general. So I'm very intentional about like what I do buy. But I would say the most recent was a book, actually, the book Essentialism, um, which is like a fantastic read for anyone who yes like amazing read. Um, I would really recommend it. Yeah. And I think it provided, it just gave so much value and clarity about designing your life to align with your values and your priorities. So I think for anyone listening to this, like if you're a mom and trying to run a business, um, the only way you can do it successfully is by saying no to things. And that you inevitably have to like disappoint people along the way in order to free up your time to be the parent you want to be and have the business that you want to have and like do all that. Um, and this book just gave like really actionable um, sort of ways of thinking about that and strategies to help you do that. And I think a lot of I myself can fall into that of like you just want to do everything for everyone and please everyone and do all the things and you can't. Um, and so, yeah, the book was great. And one of my favorite lines from it is, um, anytime you say yes to something you don't want, you're saying no to something that you do. Um, and that just really hit me in terms of like how I go about prioritizing my day to like make this all happen without being a complete burnt out, like mess. I love that. Um, I actually saw someone post on Twitter and maybe they read, maybe they read the book. I have not read that book, but they phrased that question in a different way that really spoke mm-hmm. to me not, now that I have, I have babies. Um, but this person said, if I say yes to you, I'm saying no to my daughter. And yeah, I was just totally. like, Oh wow. Okay. I hadn't thought <laughs> yeah. of it like that. Like that makes per- that, that really spoke to me. So that's been on my mind a lot lately. So I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be. We, I, uh, I've, I listened to that book in December. I'm not a super, I, I struggle with just like sitting down and just like reading a book, you know? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. uh, got a, you know, got a great audible subscription, listen to my car. And I, <laughs> I listened to that one in, I think November or December. And there's yeah. a line in that book that has really like 
it's continued to ring through for me, at least is um, essentialism. I mean, I, I guess it's the definition of the book, but it's less, but better. And I've, I've really yes. like tried to cling <laughs> to that. Like, how do I make my life, you know, mo- what, like, what are the essential things and how do we do them better? Like for our team, right. like we want to have a few, we want to have fewer team members, but we want to have really high quality people like Brad and others on our, on our team. Right. And so like that applies right. to all areas of our life. So we'll link to that book, um, in the show notes of, uh, of this episode, but that's a great, a great book. It really is. And I would say too, like with digital marketing, especially if you're trying to DIY it, you will get sucked into hours upon hours, especially if you're trying to build a WordPress site or you're trying to write copy, you will spend, I, I've done it myself. I mean, you basically, like, you work all day, you eat dinner, and then I spend the rest of my night trying to learn WordPress. And then and then I spend the rest of the morning hours trying to fix everything I did the night before. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. you will spend hours. And that's like, to her point, like, that's where you have to ask yourself of, what am I, what can I do myself? And what do I, what do I need to give to somebody else here? Because at right. some point you're saying no to your family and to things that matter. So that was, right. that's really good. Yeah. Okay. The other one, what platform, software, or app could your business not live without? Another great question. Um, I guess I would say, I would say Canva Pro. Um, And I say that because I'm someone who has zero design abilities at all. Like I have no background in that. And it's pretty incredible what you can create in there being a person like me who doesn't know how to design stuff, you know, that the templates they have. Um, so I use that for all my social media posts. I use it for all my PDF downloads. I used it to actually create the video lessons like in my course and put slide decks together. Um, I used it. I use it for all of that. So for someone like me who doesn't have the design ability and doesn't have the budget to pay a graphic designer to do like everything with my business, it's a pretty incredible tool. I think in, I would say from 2020 to now, I think the number one thing I've recommended to people is Canva. Right. <laughs> it's amazing for $9 yeah. a month. I mean, come right. on. That's yeah. amazing. So I'm, and Kyler is probably going to kill me if I say this because Kyler is a graphic designer <laughs> by, by trade. But well, it's not Kyler. I love Let me Canva. put it that way. Right. But... Right. I, right. I lo- well, no, I love Canva. I love Canva. No, Canva's amazing. <laughs> So, but I, I want to bring this up and I, I don't know what you did. And, and honestly, tell me what you did when I, when I, when I put this out there, but I get so many people that are on maybe like a, a tighter budget, but they want to start a digital business. And mm-hmm. the first thing they want to do is they want to go drop thousands on a logo. And I'm like, oh my gosh, go to Canva for $9 a month. Just create your logo on there. They have so many options. Put that, invest that money into something else. And it's amazing how people want to go drop thousands of the logo is such a big deal. Kyler, right. I mean, you're, you're going to kill me for saying that, aren't you? No, I think, I mean, tell me if I'm no, wrong, but that, I think that's what we did, right? No, that's what, yeah, no. And <laughs> I, I okay, Brad, exactly I was like happened. that person. And I was like, I don't have a logo. I, you're nothing without a logo. And Kyler, and I was like, do I pay you? Like, you know, this is like how little I knew about business. And he was like, no, like it doesn't matter. Um, make something in Canva. And if it's terrible, I'll tell you to like start over. So I think I sent him a couple, you know, and yeah. it's no, yeah, it was, it was fine. And so honestly, I really appreciated your yeah. transparency because I know that you, you know, you could 
you know, you have the design abilities to create something amazing, but just sort of like the honesty about, you know, like, does this, it didn't make sense to drop thousands of dollars on that part of my business at that time. Yes. Like maybe in the future, yeah. like as part yeah, of like yeah. a big rebrand or whatever, when it's really established, but not when you're just like yeah. getting started out, you know, I've got a really yeah, good yeah. friend of mine who is, who is starting his own business right now. Yeah. And I'm having coffee with him this week because he wants to talk about, Hey, I need, I need a website. I need a logo. And he always thinks is that hold up, let's go to Starbucks for an hour. I'm going to show you how to create a logo on Canva. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because spend like, the no. money on the website, not yes. on the logo. That would be yes. my. That's what I did personally, like working with Kyler. Um, and I think that's like the way to go. Because Canva, you can you can figure out a logo on yourself, but like everything that goes into a website, yeah. um, like functioning and looking good, like is a lot harder. Yeah. As I can speak to from being in the WordPress rabbit hole, so. Yeah. Right. We, we tell clients, like, I think that there's, I think that there's margin for all those things in their right season. And when you're making zero dollars right. and your brand is just starting, that is not the right season for that. It's not going to make you money <laughs> yeah. in the way that like, if you have a larger brand and you have different brand reach and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great investment for brands at certain times. So I appreciate that you said yeah. that. I think a lot of it goes back to the difference between this is going to sound sort of rude, but the difference between uh, being a business and having a business and playing business, like it's really easy and fun to like, oh, I want the business cards and I want the merch and I want the logo and all the cool stuff that you can like tangibly see. And you post it on your Facebook right. page, like, look at this new thing I'm doing. And it's a lot harder to figure out what your offer is and how to write your course and what your audience looks like, right? The things that are like yeah. not very sexy. The so, non-sexy uh, side, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, Christiana, thank you so much for being here. Um, I am yeah, super proud you. of you. I'm grateful to know you. You've <laughs> just been uh, such a, a cool like friend to our team and and I've just been really honored to, to get a partner with you and, and watch your growth. So uh, thanks for being here. Well, thank you. Thanks so much.